Welcome to the Reigning Chumps Podcast. This is episode 11, and today I'll be speaking with Suhail Sawarat of Garuda. We're going to talk about his background, the past, present, and future of Garuda, and his thoughts on making made-to-order clothing. We're also very pleased to announce that Suhail has generously offered to do a giveaway in partnership with us, so check out our social for more info on that. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome, Suhail. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, all right. So, as you mentioned, my name is Suhail. Um, <laughs> I am 28 years old, and I run a clothing company, brand, whatever you want to call it. And we make made-to-measure technical apparel with performance fabrics. And um, we currently operate out of India. And, yeah, I mean, that's the basics. Yeah. Garuda. Yeah, Garuda. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. I'm happy happy to give you a plug. <laughs> um, tell us about your, your background, like how you got into clothes in the first place. Oh, yeah. So um, with the interest in clothing, I think that mainly stems from my parents. Um, so my dad was military, and he was always very well presented and things like that. And apart from that, my mom, despite being a phd in accounting and finance she actually ran a women's wear boutique in the 80s and um they also did menswear later on in the early 90s and she had like quite a like thriving business at the time but when they expanded into menswear just because the indian market at the time wasn't ready for it um it sort of like crashed and burned at that point so I guess their interest in clothing and like always being well presented and things like that sort of like stemmed onto me. And then after that, um, one of my closest friends got me into sneakers when I was like 13. And um, okay. yeah, after that, just, you know, you eventually get to that point where you can't just be a sneakerhead all the time and you have to like dress the part as well. And um, <laughs> some people, some people don't get there yeah yeah <laughs> so good for you <laughs> yeah so um my interest in clothing started from there i guess yeah and what what uh brands were you interested in at first uh initially um it was things like um so this is like yeah when i was like 18 17 at the time so tyler the creator was really popular at the time obviously so like supreme yeah what, what hitting, album was this? um this would have been this is early yeah just before uh goblin i guess yeah, um, yeah bastard yeah yeah like sort of in between ba- bastard and goblin that right period. that's when he got really yeah really yeah big. the yonkers video yeah yeah basically yeah, right big, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so um yeah so obviously supreme started hitting mainstream at that point i feel like that was like a big catalyst um like the yonkers video um and like a lot of people found out about that supreme feather five panel from that video right um and then just other brands that they were sort of into, which was like Diamond Supply or Half for the Hundreds or whatever the case be. Um, and then after that, you know, you just go through like your journey and like everyone goes through different phases and stuff. And like I had my fair share. So, yeah, it started with like mainly skate brands and then it sort of like went into more like brands like APC, Ralph Lauren. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that, sort of went complete opposite end with like Rick Owens at Y3. And then, mm. um, yeah, just being pretty much like on both ends of the spectrum and everywhere yeah, in yeah. between as well. Yeah. You know. I mean, everyone has their own trajectory, but I think from a broad perspective, your trajectory sounds very familiar yeah yeah kind of the, yeah yeah sneakers skate and then more you know more let's say sophisticated things or just rick yeah, <laughs> you yeah know, a lot yeah. of people wind up wind up with rick after going yeah. through this course yeah for me it was like always about trying to find something that i was gonna hopefully stick to but just nothing really like nothing really stuck and like i always personally found like flaws and everything that i was wearing like like okay it looks cool but it's not that comfortable or like raw denim is great but again like the whole like not washing thing and all that like it's too much to deal with yeah <laughs> freeze it yeah yeah freeze it um 
Was the other one leave it out in the sun, wash it in the Red Sea, whatever the case be. <laughs> um, so it sounds like, like, well, you tell me, like, is this kind of what led you to get into designing? Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, I wanted, I was, like, going through all these phases and, like, really looking for, like, a uniform because I wanted to, like, have, like, a uniform dressing style. Um, I didn't really want to, like, go through... And I didn't want to spend too much time in the morning thinking about what I was going to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just nothing that was really fitting what I was looking for. So I just decided to make it. And did you, were there any projects that you did prior to Garuda? Or this is this is what led to founding Garuda? No, this is what led to founding Garuda. So basically, like, um, okay. I I knew that I wanted to make clothing since I was, like, 17, um, mm. because my initial interest was in architecture, but I was really bad at physics and maths in school. So <laughs> I, I sort of threw that out the window. Um, and I thought, okay, well, the next thing that I can make that someone can live inside is clothing apart from a building. Right. Um, mm. so clothing became the next thing. Um, and then between the age of like 18 to 21, um, I probably had like a dozen ideas for like random printed t-shirt brand xyz right but Mm -hmm. just nothing really like motivated me to like want to start and when i came up with the concept of garuda so yeah i've told you about this in the past um so like it was this thing of like i saw outlier and ator throop and i just thought someone should make something in between that and Mm. um so that's where i basically came up with it and it was a matter of it's like you know one of those things of like uh what's that quote if you what would you do if you knew you could uh wouldn't fail type of thing uh-huh uh-huh. yeah and this was something where it was like even if i do fail i felt like it was worth doing so it finally motivated me to like start going because like i had what i believed to be a good idea Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. outlier and ator throoper (laughs) they're uh yeah it's hard to imagine with that yeah what that combination would look like so it's interesting it's interesting to see your work through that lens yeah yeah um yeah. i'm not that familiar with a tour through but from what i've seen a lot of his stuff is pretty uh conceptual yeah yeah for sure for sure um yeah. so when i say like um outlier and a tour through i just basically wanted to take like the text that was the uh, outlier was using and combine mm-hmm. them with the silhouettes of like a tour through or the the more like concept driven brand um Mm -hmm. sort of like ideology that 803 has yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean we'll get to it later but i think uh garuda and outlier have some overlap when it comes to how you approach like promotion and marketing but save that for now yeah sure (laughs) um what kind of customer were you were you thinking you would make stuff for so so the thing is that like my whole logic with like starting the brand was that if I think this idea is good, surely I'm not that special. Like someone else must think it's going to be good as well. So I just started based off that. I had no, like, I didn't know what techware was when I started and I didn't know that this subculture existed and I didn't know anything about like acronym or any of this stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. I just was like, I was looking at it from like a New Zealand consumer perspective that like okay like in new zealand like you can have four seasons in a day so these fabrics are really good um and if i can make the clothing look cool people will buy it mm-hmm. yeah, so mm-hmm. and that's i basically envision the brand being like just people in new zealand i never thought that we'd like be like selling to like americans and everyone else and all that stuff yeah so what what do people in new zealand want Oh, we have like no customers in New Zealand now. Um, like, <laughs> Which is just based from the beginning. What was your perception of what they wanted? Oh, my, per- oh, my perception was that like they would want something that they can like wear pretty much without thinking. Um, so like something that's waterproof, something that's light, um, but something that's not going to make you sweat a lot at the same time. Um, yeah, just those sort of factors. Um like New Zealand does have like a huge like sportswear influence. Um, like mm-hmm. we have, um, I don't know if you ever heard of a brand called Kathmandu. I'm I don't think so. Maybe okay. but I don't it's, think so. It's like um, 
uh, it's like a generic like hiking brand type of thing so that their puffer jackets are like super popular in new zealand um so like all these clothes like do have use in new zealand um and i just wanted to make like something more like aesthetically elevated than that so you start in new zealand but you're in india now yeah yeah so how did how did that happen um yeah so started the brand in 2015 we launched on september 18th 2015 uh research and sampling started like a year before that um and in 2017 march 2017 we shifted the brand to india um so i had to move to india for some like personal reasons for like a couple years um and i just thought that um yeah so i can move to india and i can open up a workshop and i can control end-to-end um the way everything works because initially when we started the brand we were outsourcing it to like local workshops um to produce in new everything. zealand yeah in new zealand uh uh-huh. to produce everything um and that has its pitfalls um where so like obviously it's great that you have the made in new zealand tag right because people from new zealand are interested people from overseas are interested because it's hmm. not China, India, Bangladesh, Vietnam, right? Um, so, yeah, so we were basically outsourcing at the time, but it does have, like, pitfalls where, like, so, like, if you order a run of 20 of something and there's an error, that's going to come across on all 20 pieces, right? And also the sampling cost um, and the pattern-making cost was, like, very heavy um, in New Zealand because, obviously, the labor rates are, like, quite high, which is a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. But... I just thought that okay since i like have to move to india anyway i might as well take a risk and try and shift the business there and try and like make like a proper go of this um mm. so i hadn't i had no like financial stats or any of that to prove that it was a good idea mm-hmm. um i just sort of believed that like if i focus on this for like four years full time it's bound to work out and i was right for the mm-hmm. most part so you, you were aware that, that you could kind of do everything in-house before yeah. moving, but it happened uh, based on necessity. Yeah, 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 essentially. And that's um, that's how you do things now, right? No? Yeah, yeah, everything's in-house. Um, so design... Like literally everything. in the house? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it is in my house, yeah. So like um, in my house, um, three rooms are dedicated to the studio, and there's two bedrooms apart from that, a kitchen and a dining room. So yeah. Sometimes I think I think we need an apartment tour. <laughs> yeah, we'll try and do one sometime. <laughs> um, so yeah, everything's in house from like design, sampling, pattern making, the garment being produced, the garment being packed, and the garment being shipped. Like UPS comes and picks up the package from my house. So like literally, we have like end to end control, which is sort of like what we were hoping to accomplish by coming here. What kind of stuff were you designing for Garuda early on? um so like do any any pieces stand out so i mean like everything like i would say 50 percent of the designs still exist because hmm. like for example we have a pet product right now called sapai pants v2 right so that was the very first product that we ever released uh which was sapai pants v1 which was 20 yeah 2015 um so yeah um the design language has changed over time um but it's the same stuff essentially it's like a cargo pant um made from a shoulder fabric um obviously back then we were doing ready to wear and now it's made to measure um so there's a difference there but um yeah so i I think actually to be honest out of all the products we designed in new zealand the only two that are still in continuation are sapahi pants and udon pants um everything else has sort of been phased out over time because uh, i mean i've just learned a lot since then i guess so that yeah this stuff has lasted for a long time and gone, gone through many iterations yeah 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 so we focus on like with v1 just putting the idea of the product out there and then a v2 is about refining the features and then v3 might be about adjusting the silhouette and just yeah like an iphone or something right like it just gets better every time it comes out um well mm-hmm. and the the phone pockets change size yeah yeah the phone pockets change size but um to be honest since like um since we operate on a made to order made to measure basis um there might be a difference between like a product we make one week 
and the same product being made like a following week based on a customer feedback we received during that week. So mm-hmm. um, that's the benefit of being made to measure or made to order. Um, that you're just constantly able to like stay dynamic and adapt. How did you make the decision to go from um, ready to wear to made to measure? Uh, it was like mainly a decision based out of like necessity. Um, so um, 2016, we made a jacket from Scholler WB400 Softshell. Um, mm-hmm. And... I basically sank all my capital into this jacket. Um, what was the jacket? It was um, the one with the sling on the back. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, so I sl- so I sank all my capital into that. Um, and basically, if the jacket didn't sell, we were screwed. Um, and so, lo and behold, obviously, like since I had a sling on it, um, there was a bit of drama, and we decided to just pull the product right. We didn't. We never sold it, um, so I still have all of them sitting with me. Um, like I have like four or five of them sitting around, and they cost us like five hundred bucks a pop to produce. Um, that's uh, sorry, it's probably like six, seven hundred, uh, including the fabric. So wow. yeah, basically we sank all our capital into that, and it was just a matter of like when your back is against the wall, like you only have the option of going forward, right? So the only way we saw forward was to switch the made to order. So what we did was um, we produced the Odan pants for the first time. And um, we showed the sample. What year is this? Sorry, this is like 2016? Yeah, 16, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so we showed the sample to like a few people, picked up a few orders for it. Like just local friends and family in New Zealand, um, a couple customers overseas. We just presented this design and said, if you want it, you have to pay first and we'll make it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, surprisingly it worked and we were just like, oh, okay, this is like a great business model because of the fact that we're producing on order. So the fabric the fabric is retaining its value um, because mm-hmm. of the fact that we're not cutting it until we've already received payment for it type of thing. Um, so it was just like a business model decision. And then eventually... Um, it turned into like something else where now it's our preferable way of operating because we're able to like build great relationships with customers and um, mm-hmm. really try and deliver some unique products. Um, Cause some customers will have some like quirky requests and like, yeah, we're like, we can do that. So, so Errolson Hugh, he, he tried to kill your brand, <laughs> but he wound up saving it. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, in a way. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's a good way to put it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to say a little bit about about what happened there? I don't, you know, it's not worth going into too much detail, but oh yeah, so um, just about the since you mentioned the sling sling so, controversy, so it goes way back before the sling actually. Um, so when we launched the brand on Instagram, we were using hashtag acronym. Um, oh, like as part of 30, I mean, you you and you you and many others. <laughs> yeah, as part of thirty different other hashtags as well, right? Um, so it's not like we were just ha- hashtagging just acronym. Um, and it was like a logical strategy. Like it's the same fabric, like some, like the same people should be buying it. Right. Um, and so we'd receive DMS from like acronym fanboys and stuff like stop using the hashtag, blah, blah, blah. You're f- like flooding it with blah, blah, which is cool. And then, um, basically those same people are the ones who tagged Errolson on the post when we mm. previewed the sling jacket and um mm. i i was like i was trying to deal with it before it got out of hand so i just dm'd Errolson and um i received like a max character limit like wall of hatred <laughs> which was fair Ugh. enough um which like even even in 2016 i thought like fair enough and even now i think fair enough uh when he did that um so yeah, and then I just didn't respond to it for, like, two years. And then, like, two years later, I messaged him. And I was like, my bad. Can I explain what happened? And then we talked about it. And he was like, all right, it sounds like you learned your lesson. And then after that, we've been on positive terms. Um, like, email him here and there. Like, DM here and there. Yeah, everything's chill. Le- learned what lesson exactly? Oh, uh, just about, like, the whole terms of, like, in terms of, like, copying and what's a reference, what's what's copying and things like that. Um uh-huh. Yeah, I think that's sort of the whole point of it. 
um and like i had very like logical reasoning for why i put this link there and things um at the time um but yeah i mean that's the gist of the story of how it grows yeah that's really interesting just just how that kind of like how that led to this pivoting of the brand that put you in a you know it seems like it put you in a positive direction that that led to all the success you've had yeah 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 for uh, sure it's really interesting yeah. you know in the sling thing it's like so many i mean i maybe it's all actually derivative from acronym but so many brands use slings like i just saw an outlier coat yeah, that has yeah. a like a fleece coat that has a sling on it so yeah i don't think it was most i don't think it was necessarily the sling thing i think it was more the 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 way the sling was orientated um oh yeah as opposed to doing it like a backpack setting like acg we did it sure. in like the messenger style setting um which uh-huh. is which is unique to acronym but realistically if you're going to steal a sling you might as well steal the best one which is the acronym one <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i mean I like so. it slings and cinches the jacket at the same time it's objectively the best sling when you switch to um mto mm-hmm. did your i guess how did your process of creating designs change uh in terms of designs hmm that's something that took like a while to develop, right? Because it took us a while to develop the whole made to measure process. Um, for example, like uh, it took us a while to understand factors like customers don't actually know how to measure their clothes properly. Um, I've uh, been there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> like making a guide for customers to follow and then um, yeah, just researching what competitors were doing as well. Um, just things like that. Like, um, But in terms of design specifically, so the thing is that we have like the potential to create like a very complicated jacket or whatever but we have to make sure that the design can translate to a made to measure setting so that's the reason that we keep designs quite simple um so that there's less pattern pieces to adjust in the process of uh made to measure so it's a matter of keeping it simple so that it's just easier to adjust the body types right so that's probably the only fa- uh, impact that made to measure has on design, really. Other than that, we just follow like our gut um, and go for whatever visual that we're trying to put out or whatever functionality we're trying to put out at the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting how that constrains design in yeah. a way that yeah that can, uh, you know, it can be positive aesthetically. Yeah. For so sure. like the. I might be pronouncing this wrong, like the Kandak, Kandak coat Con, yeah, Kandak. and the, yeah. And the work jacket, like, are those the kind of residual from the ready to wear phase or are those kind of recent developments? No, no, those are, um, those are 20. Is they're really complicated? Oh, not really. Not to be honest, to be honest, not really. Um, really it's in terms of cutting, it's not complicated in terms of sewing. It's very complicated, but cutting is half the game when you're making clothes. Um, like sewing is like i i would explain it as like cutting is 50 percent of the game 25 percent is sewing and 25 percent is how you iron the garment um during your sewing process um so in terms of cutting the kunduk and the work jacket aren't that complicated they're just boxy jackets really it's just that they have like a lot of features um and zips or whatever the case be um but they're actually from the made to measure um like phase of the brand um yeah i think the conduct and the work jacket v2 the ones that are on the website right now are both 2019 designs it seems like you haven't been doing much outerwear in the last few years or so yeah yeah we haven't um so basically the thing was that um we we realized that there was just like this huge demand for dry skin right um mm-hmm. and we just doubled down on dry skin um rather than picking up like shell fabrics and rather than picking up like other fabrics and things like that just double down on dry skin to be able to meet the minimum order quantity um because the minimum order quantity from shoulders 200 meters so Mm. you're looking at like seven thousand usd uh excluding Mm. shipping and taxes um so i mean that's like a fair investment to like you know um pick up uh so yeah, basically we just doubled down on that and we will be getting into shells again next year and mid layers as well so for example like right now we're working on Polartec, and we should have the Polartec plug finalized uh by the end of december um so we're hoping to release Polartec product through january and february 
and then mm. we're hoping to uh, focus on jackets towards the third or fourth quarter of next wow. year. Wow, I, I I think I see you're wearing a uh, Polar Tech Alpha Direct shirt there. Yeah, yeah, we just so that's that one of the yeah, it looks good. Well, so that's one of the one of the fleeces you're gonna use. Oh no, actually, we're planning on using uh, this fabric called uh, Polar Tech Thermal Pro. The Alpha Direct is actually a commission from a customer. So a customer wanted oh. a Naragi in um, an Alpha Direct. So they ordered two meters for themselves. And I said, just order some extra for myself. So. <laughs> Thermal Pro. I'm trying to figure, think of what that is. Yeah, it's um, two-faced textile. Um, and mm-hmm. the, there's quite a few varieties. The one that we're planning on using is a sweater knit in front and a fleece knit on the back. So something slightly more mm-hmm. like sophisticated than like a fluffy fleece. It sounds kind of like, like the... The Patagonia, um, I'm blanking on Better the name. Sweater or something? Better Sweater, yeah, yeah the yeah, Better yeah. Sweater. Yeah. And the, uh, like, the Arcteryx Covert stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which is good. Yeah, it's, like, yeah, pretty thick, warm fleece. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alpha Direct is beautiful. It's just that I think the Thermal Pro yeah. has more application in terms of grew to design language. Alpha Direct is great. It has its problems in terms of snags. Yeah, snags, um, washing, whatever the case be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have an Alpha Direct piece, and I haven't washed it yet, yeah. <laughs> out of fear. And I've had it for like, I don't know, over a year at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what styles are you most proud of? I want to talk more about the dry skin thing and where you're at now, but yeah, just kind of going back to the history. Um, I think our best selling design of all time is the work pants. Um, so are, are you most proud of them? Uh I'm not. It's hard, It's really hard for me because like I'm in. I'm inside the thing, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, to me, all I see is problems with the designs. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't really like appreciate. Like it's cool, but to me, all I see is improvements to be made. Um, so there's. I've never had this moment where like I'm like this is a perfect product. Um, sure. We just. But we just stop when like the product is as good as we can possibly make it, right? Um, with our current resources, with our current knowledge, there's like limitations on those factors, right? So sure. in terms of proudest, um, I think I'm more proud of things like commissions and things that we do that we don't post about um, that aren't official Gruder products um, because they're just more interesting to work on. And that's something where you're really like servicing like a true demand. Um, whereas like when you're putting out clothing, there is like this whole thing of like, okay, you make the design and then you push it down people's throats and hope they buy it, right? Um, whereas when you're working on a commission, it's more like, okay, there's like a direct demand for this product to exist in the world. Um, so it just feels better in that sense. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, all I see is improvements to be made. Nothing to be, like, try not to, like, get let eager get involved in design too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, no, I know what you're saying. Kind of thinking about things from this perspective, it feels like it's going to kind of slow you down or, yeah, yeah. you know you know foster some complacency yeah can you can you tell us about um what flaws you see in the work pants um just to get to show us how you think about these things yeah yeah so i realized this might not be good for your marketing no no it's cool <laughs> it's, it's, cool. it's um, okay work pants is work pants is one that there is like very few flaws with um which is the reason that we haven't v3'd it no, it's a it's a great pant yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the reason that we never V3 the design and we did a V2.1, um, because we just had like little tweaks to make. We didn't have like any design overhauls. Um, so work pants is one that, um, doesn't have too many flaws. Um, maybe something would be like to move the, the drawstring to the inside of the pant and to the Mm. front of the leg. Like that's the only tweak I can think of right now. Um, and we want to play around with the way that we executed the, uh, the semi-elasticated waist on it as well, um, which is the same elasticated waist that we use on pretty much all of our pants. Um, we just want to adjust the way it's like stitched a little bit to give it some more longevity. Um, and that comes down to like picking up a new elastication machine and things like mm-hmm. that so again it comes back to that thing of like we're making the thing to the best of our current ability to answer the question better though like uh what's a product that needs like a lot of improvement like Kundakut, for example like um mm-hmm. it's a good concept um and the zips work well and everything like that um but 
there is this like slightly odd flaring that takes place um, when the zip is closed, the side entry zip. Um, and the only way that I know how to fix that is to switch to a non-waterproof zip, but then you're just killing the concept completely. Um, so yeah, we have like, we have to try and figure that out at some point. Um, and there's plenty I of, I see what you mean. Yeah. There's plenty of designs that like never see the light of my Instagram story. Um, because it just didn't turn out the way it was in my head or whatever the case be. I like that you show the process on your Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fun to like, um, cause designers are like very secretive people, right? And like. I think it's mm-hmm. fun to like demystify the whole thing. It's entertaining for me. Yeah, I, 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 you know, as a customer, I find it really interesting, yeah. and I'm sure other people do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. um, like people have like a conception that making clothing is like very difficult. Um, and uh, ironically, like I always looked at it as like um, you're just taking like 2D objects and joining them to create together to create 3D objects. Um, so when you boil it down to that degree, it becomes a lot easier. And I just think it's entertaining showing, like, other people, like, the amount of work that goes into the clothes that they're wearing. What about dry skin? So you've, you've doubled down on it. Hmm. Um, yeah, say more about the reason for that. It just huge customer demand, mainly. Um, yeah. Like, oh, and the fabric is great as well. Like, I wear dry skin, like, year-round. Um, it's really hard not to wear it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Over um, anything else. Yeah. Yeah, like it's hard to wear a dry skin like mid layer or anything like that during summer. But I'm fine in dry skin pants during the uh during summer. So yeah, I wear dry skin year round. Um fabric's great. There's a huge demand for it. Color fastness is amazing. Um the fact that it's gonna withstand fifty washes, the treatment and things like that. Four way stretch, looks presentable on the outside, is fleece like on the inside very like few downsides to dry skin really um yeah and yeah easy to clean yeah that was a huge factor when we started as well that like we want fabrics that are like reputed reliable are gonna basically last like a long time right um so like we used to use um what i believe acronym called ch the industrial micro tool um Mm -hmm. that's initially what we started with um so shoulder ch um uh, industrial micro tool with 3x dry but like had like a lot of fading problems um mm-hmm. so yeah dry skin was just the right answer it's like very few downsides to dry skin yeah, yeah 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 i feel like you don't see the the cotton shoulder uh fabrics used much these days yeah yeah but maybe i don't know like eight six to eight years ago a lot of brands were using them yeah i think like maybe it's like was, a... valence was using the denim yeah, it could be like a business decision because like um, the the amount of upside dry skin has for the cost difference between that and CH is like pretty minimal, like mm-hmm. price difference mm-hmm. of like two bucks a meter or something. Um, so yeah, it's just all around better fabric. Um, it's basically like a three season fabric, right? Um, it's just like peak summer you can't wear it. How is it to work with? Um, I mean, it's just about getting the machine tension and things like that, right? Because the fabric has like a lot of stretch. Other than that, it's pretty straightforward. Um, and m- maybe in some areas you have to be careful about like how many layers of fabric you're folding and things like that. Um, so you can't overlap too many layers of fabric. Um, although mm-hmm. well, you can, but it's just that the stitch is going to come out unclean. Um, so yeah, other than that, it's quite easy to work with. Um, working with something like shoulder. WB400 or like uh, climate change uh, is much harder because that's the type of fabric. If you pierce it with a needle once, the hole is always going to remain there. So mm-hmm. it's like leather in that sense. Um, so you have to be much more careful in that context. But dry skin, yeah, pretty breezy. Like the bonded shoulder so- soft shell. Mm. Yeah, seems hard to work with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know there are different varieties of it, but it's, it's uh, pretty heavy. Yeah. as far as it goes yeah yeah the yeah. the wb400 with the soft shell yeah that's quite heavy like um so we made the sling uh the jacket with the sling in 2016 was made out of that right um mm-hmm. and a terrible decision as well to make a parka out of that like it's it's good in a, con- oh, a parka yeah yeah mm-hmm. it was good in a context sounds heavy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was um it was good in the context of like that when acronym used it for like a hoodie or like a crew neck or something like that it's great for that context um but making a pocket out of that just really showed my like lack of experience at the time 
um mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we had to use like an upholstery machine to sew it so we had to find mm-hmm. like a specific tailor who had like an upholstery machine because we were still outsourcing at the time again. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that seems <laughs> seems seems expensive yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, complicated. Yeah. I remember when we talked before, you said that last year um, the project was to kind of get caught up. Yeah, 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 big time. What, what did what did you mean by that? Um, so I think it was just like we the pandemic just hit like at a weird time, right? Um, especially for us because. Um, that was the first time we'd ever done a 200 meter order of dry skin and mm. we did through, we did the, we managed to do the pre-order of dry skin, um, through customer pre-orders. Right. So we had all these customers that we had to deliver to, um, and the, so India shut down at the exact moment that the fabric landed in India. So mm. basically we were shut down for two months as a result. Right. So the fabric was just sitting at customs. Um, and we weren't able to clear it. So we were two months behind at that point. But obviously at that point, um, I was also like hyper aware of the fact that like people are going to lose their jobs and I just refuse to let my employees suffer that. So mm-hmm. I have to keep pulling in orders to pay their salaries, even though we're not working. Um, so that like increased our backlog even more. And then after that, so okay then india opens up and we get our fabric we start producing next hurdle becomes uh since 2017 till 2020 we've been using ems to ship uh packages to customers right but ems isn't operating anymore um because of the fact that pandemic um so then it becomes a matter of like a one-month process of setting up an account with ups um and our shipping costs doubling overnight so we're going from like $35 per package to $70 per package. So yeah, it was just like all these like factors all hitting at once um, that just caused like this insane backlog. Um, and yeah, we, I think it's like January or something. We finally caught up with everything. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, I'm happy we came out of the pandemic and didn't have to lay anyone off. Like that's the biggest thing for me personally. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and, yeah, and it seems like, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong about this, but it seems like you, you've grown a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, like since then and before. Yeah, yeah. Um, like due to the fact that we rarely do sales and things of that nature or promotions, like basically all we do is pre-order in one anniversary sale per year. That's the only times you ever get this kind of product from us, right? And mm-hmm. um, so as a result, like Groot has been a profitable, profitable business since like day one, since 2015. Um, and we don't rely on any marketing we just rely on word of mouth and it grows on its own at a, yeah, at, a yeah. at like a slow pace but um we didn't expect to be like the world's biggest brand or anything so it's true hey what's your goal um to be either like uniquely or to be either or like route <laughs> like uniqlo yeah 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 like an international conglomerate i just think uniqlo has like it nailed in terms of like quality and mass at the same time mm. because most brands go one of two ways either you keep like a high quality or you go mass but uniqlo is like one of the few that's like managed to achieve both at the same time um so yeah i love uniqlo for that reason um or ralph lauren and ralph lauren because like it doesn't matter who you are ralph lauren is like universally respected right like if you're into fashion and you receive Ralph Lauren as a gift, you'd still be happy. And if you're not into fashion and you receive Ralph Lauren as a gift, you're going to be stoked, right? So Ralph Lauren is just like universally respected. Um, and yeah, that's that's sort of the goal. Let's see what happens. Though. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is really interesting. Uh, with Ralph Lauren, you know, as long as it's not polo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, polo is what most people know about, I guess. So it's like come to us on play, right? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was catching up. And what would you say the direction has been since January? Um, Since January, I guess it's just been like, just keep your head down, like put out new designs. And we've been focused on like, uh, just pushing out like good product and... I'm trying to saturate dry skin as much as possible. <laughs> um, 
So we're sort of hitting that point now where like it's, uh, not sales wise, um, but in terms of design wise, dry skin is saturating. Because, like, we've produced everything you could imagine from dry skin, right? Like, we've produced a biker jacket, we've produced hats. Like, I mean, short of socks and underwear, like, we've produced everything you could think of from dry skin. I'm still, like, in pandemic recovery mood, like, mentally. Um, sure. Especially, yeah, me too. Especially yeah. because of the fact that, um, what, in April, um, India was having 4,000 deaths a day. Um, so, right. like, and there was another lockdown in India uh, in April. So, like, it's still, like, very fresh in my mind. Um, and in the second lockdown that happened, we just ended up getting the staff to move into the studio for, like, three weeks. Uh, so we could just keep producing, even though we weren't able to ship out. Um, and then once the lockdown opened, then we shipped everything out. Um, so we're still, like, a little bit in, like, pandemic recovery mood. But at the moment, like, the next focus is probably um, mid layers because we're, like, I'm, like, hyper aware of the fact right now that... Um, we're just like a dry skin brand um which is not something that we want to be um like mm -hmm. we do want to expand into mid layers and then shells again because we have done shells in the past and they do need a revamp because obviously we've learned a lot since 2018 which is the last time we did shells um so Polotech and stots is the priority at the moment um and then uh yeah i mean that's that's the gist of it this year has just been about trying to grow and just increase customer base and like make sure um because i'm sure that last year like a lot of people had like a sour taste in their mouth just because of how long orders took so this year has mm -hmm. sort of been about like repairing that and showing people that like we can deliver on time you guys are fast now yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys are really fast yeah we're trying we're trying um wait so did did your staff did they move like did they move into the place you're at now into into your house yeah 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 so i have like two spare bedrooms so like they just moved in and wow um yeah um and they were down for it as well um i just explained like what are you gonna do at home and that was basically <laughs> that was basically my logic and they were like yeah good point okay yeah 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 something to do keep working yeah yeah <laughs> is that is that the arrangement now or have, have things changed oh no no lockdown was only three weeks um in, okay. in april okay um so it was just for those three weeks that they moved in um everything's chill now um too chill in fact um like a lot of people like without masks and stuff in india like there'll probably be a third wave let's see can you say a little bit about what you're thinking um start like start with mid layers like what how are you trying to approach that design wise uh, to be honest, like, um, I don't think there'll be any new products, to be honest. Um, I just think that okay. a lot of the designs will translate nicely to uh, Thermal Pro. So, for example, mm -hmm. we'll release the Shacket, um, probably the Naragi mm -hmm. as well, um, the Pullover and the Hoodie, uh, for sure. So that's, like, four products for sure that we'll release. Probably do a pair of shots and Thermal Pro as well. Just curious to see how it turns out. Um, and... Yeah, maybe the shorts and like a pair of sweatpants would be the only two things that would be unique to Polotech um, for our collection. But most of the it'll be about like importing designs um, that already exist in dry skin and importing them to importing or exporting. Not sure. Um, to mm -hmm. thermal per. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I feel like um, despite being a, a dry skin brand, as you said, yeah. um, like you're. Your stuff is kind of like it's like fabric agnostic, so to speak. Mm -mm. Like it feels like it's not it's not like it could be made in a number of fabrics yeah, and yeah. it's not designed to be made in dry skin necessarily. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, overall, like I'll focus on like the clothing at design process wise is just to make comfortable clothing. And that's not just in the sense of like physical comfort. We're also talking about like a mental and emotional comfort as well. Um, so like, for example, like when I get dressed in the morning and I go out, I know that I a look presentable and B, if it starts raining, I'm fine. So there's just comfort on like multiple levels and dry skin, Polytech, whatever, it helps us achieve those goals. And when we deliver product to a customer, our hope is that it's all they wear now, um, because of the comfort it provides on multiple levels. No. And the, the, the designs are yeah they're really wearable mm. yeah yeah you know they're pretty 
low-key, you know, with, with the right amount of details. Yeah, that's definitely, like, our focus. Um, because, you know, you can go, like, multiple different ways with the whole, like, technical apparel thing. Like, you can go, like, fully, like, aesthetically focused or you can go fully functional focused. Whereas we're trying to, like, hit, like, the fine line in between, right? Which is why some of our product isn't as, like, feature-rich as, like, other product might be. Um, so, like, we're not as feature-rich as, like, Acronym, but we're not as plain as Valence, right? So it's, like, that middle ground in between, which is the sort of line that we're trying to constantly hit. This is totally square peg, round hole type of thing, but kind of, if I look at kind of, like, the landscape of these kind of technical brands, I feel like Valence is, like, the construction brand, yeah. the minimalist brand, yeah. you know, Outliers, the materials brand, mm. Acronym is kind of the aesthetic, kind of crazy features brand. Yeah. You know, and you're kind of in this in this middle place and more about, you know, wearability. Yeah. And yeah. um you know, made to order puts you in a unique place too. Yeah. Like it creates a different kind of engagement with your customers. Yeah, which is something we like which is like a huge part of it for us. Like, um it's great having like a conversation with a customer and like discussing their measurements and th- stuff like that. Like one percent of the time it's like annoying, but ninety nine percent of the time like it's <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome to meet people who are, like, interested in clothing and, like, you know, like, Gruda does have barriers to entry as well. Like, the first barrier to entry obviously being price point. Uh, the second mm-hmm. barrier to entry being, like, the fact that it's made to measure and it's going to take you three weeks. Um, and so when someone finally crosses that, like, wall of these barriers to entry, rather, um, you know that that's someone who's really interested in the product. So it just makes, like, the experience as the creator more enjoyable as well. Yeah, I think the way that you engage your customers is great. Like, at least from my experience, like, I, you know, it, I feel like I, you know, I'm really involved yeah. in the process. Yeah. You know, and you're, you're very available. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how healthy that is for you, <laughs> but which is great. You know, you're like, you're always there to kind of like bounce ideas off of and, and yeah, yeah. Uh, deal with it when, when I change my mind. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an intense <laughs> schedule because like, um, 10, 10 a.m. my time is when the guys arrive to work. 6 p.m. is when they leave. So that first half of the day is like pretty much just like making sure they're on track and like answering their questions and things like that. Then from like 6 to 8 or 9, I just chill, uh, have dinner, do whatever. And then 9 is when like, because 50% of our customer base is like American, right? So mm-hmm. 9 is when everyone in America is waking up and stuff like that. And so like, they're wanting to ask questions or place orders or um, discuss measurements or whatever the case be. So, yeah, it's an intense work schedule, but it's entertaining. Maybe, yeah, maybe this is silly, but I feel like you, you like you outsource a little bit of the designing to your customers. Yeah, yeah, for sure, um, for sure. Yeah, which I imagine kind of it like save you, saves you some work and I think it, it, it helps create um, loyal customers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I believe the customer should have like full involvement, to be honest. Um, yeah, I don't see like any reason for the customer to not be involved in the process because at the end of the day, they're the ones who's, who are paying the money for the product, right? Um, yeah. And they're the ones who are going to live with this product. And like, also, if you want to look at like the sustainability cycle as well, they're the ones who are going to like dispose of or keep this, this product. So you might as well make it something that they really like cherish. Yeah. And, you know, MTO is obviously great from a sustainability perspective. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It comes back to that whole thing of like, there's a legitimate demand for this product to exist in the world before it's made. I mean, like we're talking about, I think that's something that really helps from a marketing perspective without, you know, without being kind of like this, you know, overt in your face type of, you know, marketing. Yeah. yeah. I think that's something interesting about this kind of technical space too. I feel like all the brands approach marketing in a different way, yeah, yeah. In, a, in a creative way. Yeah, for sure. You know, for sure. I mean, Valence, they, they're screwing it up now, but you know, they basically done it like negatively. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, you know, and that's that, like it, doing that is a way that they've kind of maintained their brand image. Yeah, yeah. Right. Acronym kind of similar, but things are all tied up with Errolson. Mm-hmm. Right. It's kind of tied up to his face yeah, yeah. and his look. Yeah. And I kind of think you're more similar to Outlier where um, they really involve the customers. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Outlier, it's it's almost like they kind of outsource the marketing directly to the customers. Yeah, yeah. You know, they get them involved in the product. On the subreddit, people are really active. They're writing reviews. Yeah. Almost all of them are glowingly positive. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they, and they just get their customers interested in, like, materials and whatnot. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, even the live sessions that they used to do on Instagram, I don't, I don't know if they still yeah, do them. Yeah, but yeah. No, yeah, you, you, you really learn. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even the website was made in like a very customer, like, like I don't know now because I haven't looked at the website in like years, but it was made in like a very customer knowledge, like increasing the customer's knowledge and awareness of like what's going into their clothing, which is great. Yeah, yeah. There was always like a, you know, some little paragraph about the fabric. Yeah, yeah. I haven't really looked at it much either, but they had a website revamp that I know was very controversial. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know the details, but I know I know what happened since we're talking about marketing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but another thing I remember you saying when we talked early is like, you know, you're you're trying to focus more on the business end of things yourself. Yeah. And kind of step a little bit away from the more design and production side of things. Yeah, yeah. It just um. It sort of goes in phases, right? Because it is just me um, that has to deal with it. And like at the end of the day, when you are operating a company, like a private limited company, like which you have to do to be able to deal with shoulder and things like that. Um, so at that point, you have to deal with accountants. You have to deal with like legislation and import export factors and things like that, right? So it just it's not really something that I'm like super interested in, but it just, it is a part of my job and like no one else is going to do it. So I might as well try and be like somewhat proficient at it. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and yeah, it just goes in phases because like, obviously like financial year is a factor. And then like um, at certain points you have to like focus on design again and release product to stay at the front of people's minds. Um, So yeah, it's a, it's a mixture of both, but like, yeah, like I was saying, like when we talked last time that, it's like 50% business, 50% design. Um, I, I, as much as I wish it was like all design, um, it just can't be. All right. So we're running a little out of time, but tell me what brands, if any, you're following nowadays. Um, so at the moment, uh, it's not a lot, to be honest. Um, the only thing that I look at religiously is uh, the Yoji show every season. Um, hmm. And... That's but that's honestly basically it. Like other than that, just things that pop up in my peripherals, um, like Visvim or whatever, um, whoever like friends and stuff are wearing it or whatever the case be. But like in terms of paying attention or inspiration or any of that stuff, like we're more focused on like referencing ourselves ourselves now as opposed to like referencing other people. So like about like doing V two designs, V three designs or whatever the case be, which comes from like our own DNA, right? Um, so yeah, there's very little interesting that's going on. Like Kiko's cool as well. Yeah. There's not much that's really going on. That's exciting in my opinion. Yeah. 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 For me, I feel like my focus has narrowed to following only a few brands at this point. Yeah, for sure. And also like when you're sort of in clothing and making clothing and things like that, I think, as a result, my interest in clothing from, like, a consumer's perspective is, like, sort of, like, diminished heavily. Because, like, I look at something and I'm like, yeah, okay, I, I know how to make that, so that's fine, whatever. Um, so, yeah, from, like, a consumer perspective, I'm not looking at anything, really. Um, and from a design perspective, mainly looking at, like, books about, like, vintage clothing. So, like, uh, the vintage showroom books, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, oh, Nigel Cabon, Cabon, is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, I'm not sure, but yeah. Yeah, like uh, he references like vintage clothing. Like uh, his work's quite interesting. So is he? He's is he British? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So I think it's kind of like a little bit of British heritage. Yeah, yeah. uh, Modernized. Yeah, yeah. they try to make like not like full blown like replicas of like military garments, but like as close as they can get it type of thing. Um, And so I think yeah, mainly like Yoji and just other things that pop up, sort of. I haven't had like a moment where I was like, this is the greatest brand on the earth since like eight or three, really. Uh, you got to be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe someday, maybe someday. Yeah. This question just popped into my mind and maybe it's silly, but um, I mean, collaborations are a fraught topic yeah, yeah. nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> everyone says everyone. I feel like everyone's kind of tired of it, yeah, yeah. but they still sell really well. Yeah. Still drum up hype. Is that something you've ever thought about? Um. Yeah, we've been offered collaborations and like we just shoot them down because 
they're always by brands that like I have no interest in and I'm just not going to do that um can you disclose no I can't <laughs> um <laughs> I have to ask yeah, yeah fair enough um so I mean I would do like a collaboration with like Vans or like something like that someday um or like Doc Martens maybe or you know brands I like I legitimately wear um and I would sort of be interested in doing collaborations and things like that we can't make. So things like shoes um, or maybe things like certain accessories and things like that. Um, bags, like, for example, like bags are a huge thing in like technical apparel. Right. Um, but sure. I personally just have no interest in making bags myself. Um, mm. And the one bag that we have made is like really simple to make. Um, yeah. It's a tote. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a basic tote yeah. um, just for like weekend use. Um yeah, sort of like the only things we would be interested in collaborating is the things that we can't make ourselves. What would a what would a Garuda sneaker look like? Oh, um, yeah, I thought about this once. So we used to do this concept, um, like back in the day, um, called kits, um, and basically we used to segregate clothing by genre, right? So like we had one genre, we had kit one, which was military focused. Kit two, which was workwear focused. Kit three, which was sportswear. Ah, uh, sorry, suitwear focused. And then kit <laughs> four, that was um, sportswear focused. And then eventually we abandoned that, and now we just run one. That's tough. That's tough to do. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was, it yeah. was. Um, so we shut that down and just operate on one collection now, which has a mixture of all four things. Um, but initially, my idea was that it would be cool to do shoes someday, one for each kit. So like a boot for the military, a loafer for the suitwear. A sneaker for the sportswear and um some sort of like heritage style boot for the workwear yeah that's really interesting yeah. Yeah. i thought about that a yeah. long time ago but making shoes is difficult because that like it requires like a lot of research in comparison to clothing right, right? right because like soles and things like that whereas yeah i don't know clothing is pretty straightforward for me yeah yeah well i was thinking more like a collaboration like what like what like if you were doing a vans collab what silhouette would you want to use and how would you oh yeah how would you work it no idea i i would just pick vans just because it's what i wear daily um and um but i recently just switched the converse because i got i think yeah i saw that i got irritated about how quickly like vans split at the sides they are cheap yeah cheaply made and it shows yeah the fact that like you have to buy a new pair every like six to eight months is just too annoying um and everyone told mm-hmm. me that Converse doesn't split at the sides as quickly. So for everyday sneaker, I've switched to Converse for now. Yeah, I don't know. We could do like acronym, you know, take a van slip on and put a zip on it. <laughs> <laughs> do a, uh, a dry skin upper. Yeah, yeah, a dry skin upper, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With an alpha direct Have you seen lining. The, uh... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be good for a boot. I mean, it'd probably get destroyed, yeah, yeah. but... <laughs> Have you seen the the upcoming acronym Blazer? Yeah, yeah. What do you think about that? Um, the only thing I don't like about it is the whole like cut up canvas thing. Um, other than that, it looks cool. Uh, you like the the heel? Yeah, I think it's whatever it is. Yeah. The Bionicle. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of the Cold Wall Nikes. Was it Vimeros? Nike Vimero? Something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That big block right. on the heel. That's what it reminds me of. Um. But yeah. yeah, I think it's cool. Um, and the, obviously that guy who posted about it like a year ago, pirates or whatever, he was on the money. Yeah, they are. You they usually yeah. are on the money. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I don't know. I don't know. How, I don't know how they do it, but they are usually on the yeah, money. Yeah. Um, and I just saw a picture yesterday of like all the spare stuff that comes with the like you get a second heel that you can change with screws or something. Pretty interesting. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how those, how people react to them when they come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll go nice with some work pants. <laughs> what about uh, Garuda Uniqlo? Oh, yeah, maybe someday. Maybe they can do a G plus Uniqlo. G plus. <laughs> I could see uh, Garuda Carhartt being good. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I told my friends um, specifically that if... If there's ever a Garuda Kaha crew lab, just call Suicide Watch because my life would have peaked and I'm like done after that. <laughs> that's the dream. So that's that's the real dream. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Kaha, um, like to me is like best like uh, quality to price point ratio brand out there. Um, yeah, yeah. Just like how long it lasts for how cheap it is. It's insane. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and just the fact that they have always stayed in their own lane and just done whatever they wanted. I feel like they don't like put out new products. Yeah, yeah, they don't often at all. Yeah, yeah, they just been making the same stuff for for decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is um, which is like every brand's goal, right? To have like this core list of products that you can just constantly make bread off. Yeah, I mean, you know, and their stuff is. It seems like it's more you know more bought in like a you know professional context yeah yeah than by just like you know individual consumers but it seems like they do really well in both spheres yeah yeah for sure yeah the kaha um the kaha whip uh rizzoli book is like pretty interesting because like there's like a fax message from the guy who runs whip um to the official kaha company in america and they're talking about how the uh, they're not going to do any marketing for the first 20 years of the brand um and they're just gonna rely on like organic reach and then 20 years later they're gonna start um marketing and that's basically what they did and like brands popping like uh won pretty much by like everyone like i feel like if you don't own a piece of piece of kaha you know someone who has a piece of kaha like um definitely at the very least a beanie right like the beanie is like so like common the fluorescent beanie. yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) so yeah i mean um and that would be cool if like Gruda could ever get to that point where like you know everyone has a pair of work pants that would be awesome yeah yeah and I, I realized I was remembering wrong like Carhartt like did like a streetwear line before Whip I don't know what it was called oh uh, yeah yeah I believe you're right they, yeah yeah um and yeah. it was like skater sponsored and things like that right yeah yeah I must not have done well but yeah that, that happened yeah um another random question but uh have you ever considered branding branding like branding on your products oh uh, yeah yeah we've come close to doing it like plenty of times but it's just about finding something that's unique and consistent and yeah there's just there's never been an idea that's compelling enough like it's fine we could just take the patch that we put on the back of the neck and put it on the front um but that doesn't feel like fun you know it is it is about having fun at the end of the day to some extent yeah yeah it, but it's something that i would imagine your customers are really sensitive to yeah at this point considering it's been like six years and we have never done any branding i feel like that's why we don't do well in the indian market because we don't have any branding as well but anyway really yeah like we have like um so like we're based in india and like a bunch of people in india know who we are um but we have like three or four customers in india like three or four literally um so uh, but to be fair like india doesn't really have the climate to support what we do um uh-huh. and you know maslow's hierarchy of needs and things like that um people have like more important sure. shit to worry about um um sure. what what was you saying before that sorry uh that you changed the the patch oh yeah like yeah. it was like uh like a serif yeah all caps yeah yeah and now it's the 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 thread yeah. the needle in the thread yeah yeah um yeah we just sort of got bored of the old one <laughs> really that that's pretty much <laughs> what it comes down to we just wanted something that had like that whole feel of like this product is made for you um mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. something less cold in a way because the serif is kind of cold in a way um and mm-hmm. it's kind of got this like industrial yeah yeah exactly vibe. yeah we wanted something like more yeah. warmer, uh, something more warm and like, sure. um, and obviously the clothing is like quite sleek, right? So we wanted something that was going to contrast that as well. Um, sure. Just to, yeah. Um, so yeah, we changed that last year, I believe, but we only started implementing labels on the product this year, but on the website, it changed last year. Yeah. Cool. I think we should wrap up soon, but is there anything anything you want to anything you want to say at this point uh, no thanks for having me yeah thanks for coming on I, this has been really fun yeah 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 for sure yeah. this is the like second podcast i've ever done so yeah it's fun um how does it feel for you to to talk like this uh i don't really talk about like work too much because i don't i kind of i kind of assume that yeah, yeah. yeah um i don't like socialize that much in general um like just <laughs> like pretty much the only people i talk to is my family and my girlfriend um <laughs> in, in india at least like i have friends in new zealand but in india i don't really socialize so i just like do work 
and I try not to talk about work too much with like my girlfriend and my family um, because mm-hmm. they hear enough of it anyway. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's inter- it's interesting. I like talking about clothes. Well. Yeah. I do too, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate this, and we'd love to have you on again at some yeah, point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe next year when you're when you put out these uh, the new designs and the new materials. Yeah, for sure. That sounds great. Yeah, you're si- signing off. All right, cool. Thanks a lot for listening to the podcast. Please check out our website, RainingChumps.com, which will have relevant visuals for this episode. Check out our Instagram at RainingChumps, which will have more information about our giveaway with Suhal. Thanks again.